Turn with me to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, that's the last book of the Old Testament. Find the Gospels, go backwards. Book of Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. And we look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Malachi 2, verses 1 through 9. Background of the book of Malachi, if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, it is a word from God through the prophet Malachi to the people of God. And it starts out with God's love for his people, his mercy towards his people, but his judgment. Because he loves his people, he warns them. And we've seen how he's protected them, that they don't realize it. Talked about worship the last week, and this week he talks about the religious leadership. So read with me, Malachi chapter 2, and verse 1. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I'll send a curse upon you. I'll curse your blessings. Yes, I've cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your solemn feast, and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave it to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name, the law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people. Because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Pretty strong word, isn't it? Last week, it looked at the false corrupted worship and showed us that because God is so great, we should worship him with a true heart and the way he says which they were not doing at this time. This week, it talks about the other duties and other parts of being a priest. See, priests do sacrifice. That's part of a big job of a priest is a sacrifice. And we learn that we sacrifice thanksgiving, good works, praises. But there's another part to being a priest that often we don't think about. And we're going to see here how the priests were chosen or how they were made priests because that's a big disconnect, isn't it? Like, What's this priest? We're not priests. So the covenant, there's a covenant here, covenant with the priest. Then we're going to see the character of a priest. What kind of person is a priest supposed to be? And then thirdly, we're going to see the calling of a priest. What are they supposed to do? And as you look at all of Scripture, we're going to see that it's all meant for us too. So covenant, the character, and the calling. If you're a visitor, I almost never get to make them all start with the same letter. So, so special gift today. They're all alliterated. 
what was a priest? So you can't understand the Old Testament if you think it's written to us straight. If you think it's directly talking to us, you're going to say, well, I'm not a priest. I'm not a Catholic, I'm a Catholic priest. So this isn't meant for me. Or if you are maybe influenced by the Catholic Church, you're going to think, well, this is only talking about certain people, so it's for them. Or maybe you'll misapply it and say, well, let's talk about the pastor, because he's kind of like a priest. None of those are true. So what did it, first, what did it mean to be a priest in this context? This is before Jesus showed up, before the New Covenant, before the New Testament. What is a priest? Who is God talking to, and why is he so upset? What's wrong with these people? Who are they supposed to be? So he says here in, in verse 4 that my covenant with Levi may con- continue. Now, a covenant, especially in the, the Bible, is this formal, very solemn, binding oath, binding agreement between God and certain groups of people. When God makes a covenant, it's a big deal. God is binding himself to a certain group of people in a certain way. So when the God of creation, the Lord of hosts, as he says here, binds himself to somebody, that person's life is different. Everything's different. You don't take that, you can't take that lightly. And if you do take it lightly, God does not take it lightly. And that's what this is talking about. So there was a covenant made with Levi. Now who is Levi? Levi was one of the sons of Jacob. From Levi's family and his descendants, God made a covenant that said, you will be priest. So in the Old Testament, who got to be the priest? Sons of Levi, Levites. So Moses, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, makes the law, sets up the priesthood, designates the Levites. So when God's talking to these people, he's talking about the Levites. But notice how it starts off. If you will not hear, if you will not take it to heart, I will send a curse upon you. You ever read fairy tales? And they get cursed in the fairy tale? That's not that far from the truth. There's a reason fairy tales are popular. When you see the curses in fairy tales and bad stuff happens, where'd they get that from? Where's that truth coming from? Right here. A curse is put upon this family of priests by God. I will curse your blessings. I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces. Man, that's, you know what he's talking about? They were supposed to sacrifice animals, big animals, like cows. What do cows do? You bring them in, and when you kill them, they make messes. So you take it and you carry it out. God is saying, I'm going to take that, rub it on your face, and take you out with it. Does that seem harsh? Only if you don't understand the seriousness of this covenant. When God shows mercy to come down to a certain group of people who have nothing to offer and says, I'm going to make you my priest, he expects them to answer. And when they dismiss it here, he says, then I'll dismiss you. So the covenant, we see how serious the covenant is because of the blessings and the curses. But how were they chosen? Who were the priests and who got in trouble here? First of all, you had to be the bloodline like we talked about. If you weren't in the family of Levite, you couldn't be a priest. So everybody that wasn't in Levi's family in, the, in Israel, this wasn't for them. 
Secondly, you had to be a man. There are no women priests. So this is only talking to men who are children of Levi. Then you had to work in the temple. There were no priests out in the towns. Priests were in the temple. And then you had to wear special clothes. Handmade, very certain pattern. Only the priests wore them, but the priests had to wear them. So when God's talking to these people, this is who he's talking to. We have to be careful not to just sort of automatically jump to us. Because when we jump to us, we miss the context. And we don't understand what God's saying. And that's the real danger. We're like, I don't care about priest. Get to the part where it's about me. But when you put it that way, you're like, wait a minute. This isn't about you. This isn't about me. God wrote this and gave it to us for a reason. So we have to understand who the priests are, because once we see who the priests were, when we move into our time, it shows us who we are. This wasn't just random information. This is our history. This is your history as a church. You may feel like it doesn't really relate to us, but these are your forefathers. We're grafted in. So this is our family history. It's not a very good one, is it? So we have to know where we came from so we can know who we are. If that's who the priests were then, how does it apply to us? Anybody here of the family of Levite? What about the women? This is not for women, just for men? Just, just for people who live in, in Jerusalem? So where's the connection between this word to God and us? Big question, how does the Old Testament apply to us? More than half of the Bible is Old Testament. How does it apply to us? The priesthood has not been done away with. Now we think there are no more priests anymore. That's not true. There are priests. They're just not the same priest. What's changed? Well, the covenant's changed. You see what he says here? My covenant with Levi. The covenant made the priest. But now there's a new covenant. But you know what the new covenant does? It makes new priests. Not metaphorically, not as an illustration, but actually. There are new priests. And who are they? Well, here's the good news, and here's the connection. God didn't stop needing priests or wanting priests. It's not sort of the Old Testament was for them, New Testament's for us. No, it's God is showing who he is and how he relates to man through all of it. And where do we fit in? Well, you're a priest. You are an actual, if you're a believer, if you're part of this church, you're an actual priest. So when you hear someone say, oh, priest, you should listen. Now, here's the kind of priest you are. 1 Peter 2, New Testament. You also, church, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The priesthood didn't go away, it changed. God didn't say, I don't want priests anymore. He said, I want a different kind of priest. So when we see what God wants, the Old Testament didn't give it to him. Because the people couldn't do it. So God said, I still want the same thing from people. But we're going to have to get it a different way. We need a new priesthood. We need new priests. 
So who are the new priests? Are they of a certain bloodline? Are they of a certain gender? No. Old Testament priests had to be men born into a certain family, born into a certain town. You had to be from a certain country. New Testament priests have one requirement. Ask yourself, how do I know if I'm a priest or not? The answer is, are you a believer? Do you trust Jesus as your Savior? You're a priest. Not what gender are you, what country are you from, whose family are you a part of, what have you done or not done. The question is, do you trust Christ? Well, that means that everyone who trusts Christ is a priest, an actual God-ordained priest, just as ordained as these priests. All believers are priests, male and female, rich and poor, slave and free, Greeks and barbarians. In other words, to get into the priesthood, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, what your family's done, only that you trust Christ. Where's the temple now? They had to serve in the temple. So if we're priests, where's our temple? The Bible tells us the body of Christ is the temple. Well, who's the body of Christ? Same as the priesthood. Those who trust Christ. So we don't worship and we don't serve as priests in a building. We don't serve as priests in this building. We serve as priests among the people. When the people gather, when we're around Christians, that's the temple. And what do priests do in the temple? They serve. So what do you do when you're around Christians? You serve. That's the location of the priesthood. Remember the special clothes? They all had to wear special clothes. Do we have to wear special clothes? Eh, it depends what church you go to, I suppose. <laughs> no, we don't have to wear special clothes. At least not in the same way. But remember the verse we read this morning? Jesus wears special clothes, doesn't he? Clothed in a pure white robe, dipped in blood. And those who followed him, they had special clothes too. Clothed in white robes, which is the righteousness of Christ. You don't get to wear whatever you want to be a priest. You must wear Jesus' clothes. You see, when the priests at this time, when they became the priest, they were handed the clothes from the previous priest, and they gave it to him and said, you wear these. I wore them, you wear them. So when we become priests, Christ says, here are my clothes that I washed, that I work for, you must wear these clothes. So we are clothed, the Bible says, we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. As priests, made by Christ, washed by Christ, qualified by Christ, but we wear them. That's what it means to be a priest in the new covenant. You see how great it is? The old priests had a bunch of stuff they had to do. And if they didn't do it, they were cursed. And most of the people couldn't even be priests. But in the new covenant, we can all be priests, and we don't have to do anything special. We let Christ do it for us. Christ qualifies us. Christ ordains us. Christ makes the covenant. Christ washes us. Christ builds the temple. And he calls us into it out of darkness, into light. You are a priest, ordained by God. There's the connection. You see, God is above all of the Bible. 
and his connection with man, his covenants are above it. This is just one example. This is one application of God's love to his people and the priesthood. But God's love towards us is still connected to God. You see how God connects it all? He says in the beginning of this book, I have loved you, says the Lord, so he made them priests. But you know what he said to us? I have loved you, so I've made you priests. So we learn about God and what he wants from the Old Testament. And now we can see the application. Okay, so we're priests too, under a new covenant, but still serving the same God, who still wants the same things. So what does he expect from his priests? Has he lowered his standards? Has he changed his standards? No. He's qualified us, but he hasn't changed. So he's made a covenant with us, but he also expects a character from those who are already priests. So how do you get into the priesthood? Faith in Christ. What does God expect from those who have been made priests? A certain way of living, a certain behavior, a certain character. So in the covenant, he expects a character. Look in verse 5. He said, I made a covenant with Levi. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace. And I gave them to him that he might fear me. Why did he make a covenant? Why did he make a priest? So they would fear him. And then the next six lines, it's a little bit of Hebrew literature, they're couplets. They go together. Hebrew literature often does this where it says the same thing in two different ways or it contrasts. So look at the first couplet. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. What does God expect from his priest? Reverence. How are you going to serve someone you don't respect? God expects you to see him as he is and worship him, have an awe towards him. That's what these priests did not do. They didn't think much of God, and so they did whatever they wanted. But a true priest fears the name of God. He fears the Lord. He does not fear man. He fears God. He respects him. He has a reverence for him. Is that you? If you're a believer, you're a priest, but do you have the heart of a priest? Do you view God as a priest should view God? Or is God just your friend? Is God your buddy? Is God your savior but not your king? God wants reverence from his people, from his priest. Look at the next pair. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found in his lips. How should you feel about God's law as a priest, as someone who administers it? You should love it. And if you love it, you'll speak it. So it very, very specific. The law of truth was in his mouth. It didn't say in his heart. Why didn't it say in his heart? Because if it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. So when you see a true, faithful priest, what comes out of their mouth? The law of truth. What doesn't come out of their mouth? Injustice. Now, it's interesting, in the Old Testament, justice and righteousness are the same word. We think of them differently, don't we? Righteousness is sort of like how we behave for God, and justice is sort of what we do with people. Not in the Old Testament, not in the Bible. God is lawgiver over all, so justice and righteousness are the same. So If you love the truth, you hate injustice. If you love righteousness, you hate unrighteousness. 
It's the same thing. Priest should speak the word faithfully and not distort it. Now, let me ask you. You're a priest. God has called you as a priest. Are you faithful to Scripture? Do you work hard not to distort it, to know what it says and what it doesn't say, to make sure that when you speak about God and about truth and about righteousness and about justice, that you're speaking it the same way as God? Is that what's in your heart, or is it just sort of like, what's the right answer? When I'm around certain people, I make sure I'm careful with my language, but when I'm around other people, they don't care, so I don't care. Isn't that how we often behave? Oh, the pastor's here. Stop cursing. Oh, you're a Christian. I'm not going to curse anymore. Or, what do you care about so I can make sure I match that language? What do you want to hear from me? Do you ever do that where you sort of feel people out? Like, what do you care about? What's your position on this so that I can make sure that I'm sort of on your side too? Not a, that's not what a priest does. A priest is faithful, consistent, true. Look at the next one. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. Being a priest is not a, just a position. It's a life. Are you living the life of a priest? Are you walking with God? No, it says, in peace and equity. Equity comes from a word that means like, if we were to translate now, it'd be like a big parking lot. And what do parking lots have? What do parking lots not have? They don't have valleys, do they? They don't have ditches. They're just flat. And you walk across a parking lot, if there's nothing else in the parking lot, like cars or light posts, you could close your eyes and walk, couldn't you? You go walking through the woods with your eyes closed, you're going to fall in the river. But in a flat plain, it's the same. It's consistent. Priests are consistent. They walk the same whether people are watching or not watching, whether they're in church or out of church, whether around God's people or not with God's people. Is that you? If we were to interview people that we don't know, would they say the same thing about you that we say about you? Do you have the same reputation everywhere you go, or is it dependent on the circumstances? See, we condition our lives around the people. We're one way this way, and on Facebook we're different. That's not what a true priest does. He walks in equity. He walks in peace. And as a result, turns many away from iniquity. If you follow God, many will reject you, but some will follow you. You're a priest. How many people have you turned away from sin? Who have you influenced to sin less? You, as a priest, have you done anything to guide people away from sin and towards truth? Or are you just trying to take care of yourself? Just, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to do the right thing. It's all I can handle. You don't have a choice. A priest cares about the people around him. A priest will look at the people around him and say, how do I get them to follow God with me? That's the character of a priest. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us, his priest, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us 
the word of reconciliation. Jesus is not on this earth right now preaching the gospel. You know that? He will not, Jesus will not preach the gospel to your friends and family. He's given you that job. He's chosen a priesthood to do that for him. You're like, oh, I can't do it as well as Jesus. That's not the option. The option is he has given us, he has committed to us, entrusted us, empowered us to give the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You are a priest. You stand for God in this world. The world that can't get to God. They don't know God. They're cut off by sin, but they know you. So you need to, as though Christ were pleading through you, be reconciled. Is that how you relate to people? Is that how you relate to your friends? As if if you don't tell them about God, God won't do it himself. That's a high responsibility, isn't it? Turn many away from iniquity. That's the character of a priest, which your heart should be, your life should be like. But finally, what's the job of a priest? You see, priests had jobs, didn't they? They're given very specific things to do. So we have jobs, and they're the same as the old priest. Last week we talked about the sacrifices. They offered sacrifices, we offer sacrifices. It's not the same sacrifice. We offer praises and good works, but we still offer sacrifices. But that's not all a priest does. Look at verse 7. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. Should. Now, they weren't at this time, but they should have. You're a priest. Guess what you should do? Church, you should keep knowledge. Individual member of this church, people should seek the law from your mouth. Your mouth, individually. Not the pastor's mouth, not the deacon's, not the elder's. Your mouth. Now, your response may be, ah, I'm not qualified. I'm not the, I haven't had the training. I'm not smart enough. I'm too busy. God gives the calling and you respond to it. He doesn't negotiate. He doesn't say, well, you're right. You're not smart enough. Never mind. You're the exception. What's he say here? The people should seek the law from the priest's mouth. All the priest's mouth. No exceptions. If you're a priest, people should be able to learn from you, which means people can learn from you. Isn't that the whole point of what Christ has done for us? The Holy Spirit within us? He's enabled us to do what they couldn't do? You went to an Old Testament priest, and a lot of times you were disappointed because they didn't have the power to do what they were called to do. But in the New Testament, God lives in us. So when he expects us to do something, he also empowers us to do it. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You're called as a priest. God will qualify you. To do what? To glorify his name. Verse 2. To give glory to my name. That's the commandment for the priest. That's the commandment for Christians. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do to the glory of God. 
That's not just a general command for people. That's a specific command for priests. Our goal, our objective, God looks good. Not us. God looks good. And so we live our life, and we're called to make God look good. And how do we do that? By teaching the word. In Jeremiah, there's a prophecy given. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. You see what a new kind of priest can do? The same thing that all the priests can do. Teach the word. Hebrews 10 fulfills that. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. Stop for a minute. The Holy Spirit witnesses to us. Stop listening to me right now. Listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling you you're a priest. God's telling you you're a priest. I'm not telling you you can do it. I don't know if you can do it, but God does. So what does he say? The Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, like a priest, that's what a priest does, he enters the holy. we have that priesthood, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, notice, no qualifications for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know why you're here today? To fulfill your calling. And what's your calling? To teach other people God's word. The lips of a member of Chesapeake Baptist Church should keep knowledge. The people should seek the law from your mouth. So don't skip. When you go to class and the teacher doesn't show up, there's no class. So you're supposed to teach somebody today. God has given you words. God has given you gifts as a priest to minister those to somebody else. So if you forsake the assembly... It's not like a student skipping. See, isn't that we think church, oh, I skipped church, I'm like cutting class? No, you're the teacher skipping class. The class showed up, but the teacher didn't. See, if you put everything on me, then now I'm the high priest. But I'm not the high priest. I'm just a priest, just like you. So don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some, but exhort one another. That's what he's saying here. Teach one another. Be a priest. Isn't this so much better than the old days where you had one guy? Now everybody gets to do it. Everybody gets to take part. And when everybody takes part, it's better. You don't have to rely on one priest anymore. We have the high priest of Christ, and then all of us work together. But you know what else a priest does? They don't just teach, they apply. I think this is where a lot of us get into trouble. We're like, oh, yeah, we believe it. We know it. We'll even tell you what we know. But you know what else priests did in the Old Testament? They were judges. 
It says, but you have departed from the way, you've caused men to stumble at the law, you've corrupted it. Therefore, I will make you contemptible because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. When you say partiality, favoritism, you're not thinking of a priest, are you? You're thinking of a judge. That's because the priests in the Old Testament were judges. In Deuteronomy, it says, Then I commanded your judges at that time, and this is when he's creating the nation of Israel, Hear the cases between your brethren and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid of any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The priests were given a command to be fair and equal and give the law equally. But they didn't. They showed partiality. You know what the new priesthood is supposed to do? Same thing. James chapter 2. My brethren, my fellow priest, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. You see, the priesthood hasn't changed in that way. You're supposed to know the Bible, and you're supposed to apply it equally. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, And there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you will pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or you sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We don't like to be judges, do we? Too bad. God called you to be a judge. Not above everybody, but with everybody. So you can be a judge, a priest judge, with evil thoughts and partiality or righteous thoughts and impartiality. You can judge with injustice or justice. This is where Christians don't always get the full meaning of the scripture. Just because you believe the right thing doesn't mean you fulfilled your calling. You have to apply it. And you have to apply it the way God says to. So let me make a real pointed application. Actually, let me give you some scripture first so you don't get so mad. Some of you, at least. If you really, this is James 2, same passage, he's talking about impartiality. So, you know, what's the basis for this? How do we know we're being impartial or not impartial? How do we know we're being favoritism? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, remember what a priest does? He teaches the law. He administers the law. So now James said, here's the royal law. Here's the one that's sort of the foundation for your priesthood and and your application of it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the basis for how a priest judges. We're like, no, no, it's the law. What do you think the law is? See, we view the law like the sort of being mean to people and being just sort of uncaring. Like, we don't care about anybody, so we administer justice. God says, no. Justice is built on love. The royal law that should be applied fairly is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You start with love. Christians want to start with law, not realizing that law starts with love. What did Jesus say to the lawyer who said, what is the greatest commandment? Not that you shall obey God. Not that you should treat your neighbor fairly. 
He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love, you cannot administer justice. If you think you're being just, but you don't love, you're not. You can't obey God and not love people. Love is the basis for everything we do. It's the beginning point for judgment. You see, we don't like judgmental people because they're not being good judges. And what is the difference? They don't love people. They want to administer the law without the law. They want to take the bottom part of the law that applies it without the beginning, which is love. Christians do the same thing. We're like, your doctrine is wrong. You speak the truth. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Speak the truth? No. Speak the truth in love. If you speak the truth without love, you've broken the law. If you speak the truth without love, you are not following Jesus. God cares not just about what you say being true, but how you feel about it and how you feel about the person you're saying it to. Ben Shapiro is not a Christian. So when Ben Shapiro says facts don't care about your feelings, he's defying God. Facts may not care about your feelings, but God does. God cares about your feelings. And if you're using the truth without love, you are an unjust priest. You have judged with partiality. See, we want to take a shortcut. And as long as we get our facts straight, the rest doesn't matter. Great. Go out in the world and be a worldly judge. But in the church, you judge with love. The truth in love. Currently in America, there's a huge problem with immigration. And I'm not going to tell you the answer to it because I don't really know the answer and it wouldn't be my place to tell you if I did know the answer. But there's a bunch of kids locked up down at the border. What Christians want to do is talk about the law. What non-Christians want to do, they want to talk about the law. They want to talk about what should happen. But you've jumped over Christianity. Christianity doesn't start with what's the law say. It doesn't start with what should happen, what should they do. It starts with what do you think about them? How do you feel about them? Do you love them? Not what did they do wrong or what did they do right or what did the government do wrong or do right, but do you love them? Fox News showed their heart. Like it or not, one of them said, these aren't our kids. Show them compassion, but it's not like he's doing this to the people of Idaho or Texas, he said. These are people from another country. Ah, there's your heart. He's right, isn't he? That's the truth. He spoke the truth out of hate. He said, that's not hate. That's just honesty. You don't get to choose. You either love them or you don't. You see, we want to start with the truth and move into love. But that's not what God does. For God so loved that he gave the word, the truth. He loved so he gave. 
Not that we love God, but He first loved us. Do you love these people that you see on your TV? Or do you just have answers? If you don't love them, I don't care about your answers. God doesn't care about your policy or your truth if you don't love them. When the lawyer said to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love God and love your neighbor. And then you know what the lawyer said? He said, who's my neighbor? Since this is the, who's my neighbor? And you know what Jesus said to him? Let me tell you a story about two people who from different countries, different cultures, who didn't like each other. What did the Samaritan do? He didn't say, why are you here? Why did you take this road by yourself? What did you think was going to happen if you took the Jericho Road by yourself? He didn't say that. He loved them. So he helped them. Martin Luther King Jr. says this about that story, and it's interesting how he, you know who's in the story? The priest and the Levite? The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? If we do this, whatever this is for you, whatever politics you side with, whatever uh, president or congressman or policy or think tank you follow, whatever this is, what will happen to America? If that's where you start, you've left the way of Christ. Whoever you follow. See, this the church is not political. We don't pick sides here. We follow Christ. And so we love everybody. That's Christianity. It's literally just love everybody. And if you can't say that, and if your heart balks at that, and you sort of say, like, oh, that sounds soft or weak, what did Christ do? God says, I just loved everybody. For God so loved everybody. King says, the Levite, the false priest, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan, who is Christ, the true priest, reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? You see what the law does? The true law, you care about people. You love them. The royal law. If you don't start with love, you won't end up at love. See, we want to start with what's right, thinking we're following the law, because the law is about right and wrong. No. The law is about love. Do you love your neighbor? Do you see those children suffering, and you say, they're my neighbor now because I can see them. If you can see them, they're your neighbor. Live television has, made, has given us a lot more neighbors than they had back in the day. So when you see them, what is your feeling? What's your heart say? Does your heart push them away? Does your heart provide reasons not to care? Or does your heart say, that's terrible? How do I help? What can I do? How do we end suffering? How do we care for those we love? If your family was in those cages, you would not care about the law. You would not care about anything other than what? Taking care of your family. You shall love your neighbor as yourself.
I don't need to get to the Republican or Democratic talking points. We haven't even started to love them yet. And you know, this applies to everybody. So let me just throw some quick things. If you don't love Donald Trump, you don't get to pick sides. You don't get to love immigrant children and not the Republican Party. You know that's how it works? You've got to love everybody. You've got to love everybody. And once you do that, then the wisdom of the law comes out, and then you can help them. But the Christian church in America has stopped loving people, and they've lost their witness. And now we turn to people like Ben Shapiro, who's a Jew. We turn to people like Donald Trump, who's not even a Christian. Because the Christian church has no answers, because we don't love people. What does a priest do? They stand before God, and they follow him, and they take other people with them. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You have to start with love, and if you start with love like God did, then you'll be a faithful priest. Then you'll be a priest like our high priest. Whoever stands before us, ministering for us. He doesn't care what borders we cross or what sins we commit. He still ministers to us because he loves us. And the church will look like Christ when it loves everybody first and then tells them the truth. Let's pray.